0: Turn that back on. That works there. All right, well, so good morning. Oh, we had some people sneak in. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Always coming in, you know. So, um, And I'm so excited about this series um, as we are going to be talking about the greatest commandments over the next couple weeks and, and really kind of building on this idea that, you know what, God loves us, we love God, we love other people, we love the family, we love the world around us, and what that looks like. Because I I just believe all heart, this is the heart of who we should be and who we're meant to be as followers of Christ. And if we can get this this morning, then everything else kind of flows into place. But we have to get into this point of just knowing that God totally and completely loves us. And everything. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Turn to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have Bibles, we have them around. You can grab one. Um, you, can, um, you can take that. If you don't have one, put your name in. It. It's our gift to you. If you'd rather use your electronic devices, we do have Wi Fi here. It says GBC guest. Just type in find more, all lower caps, and everything. But as I said at the beginning of service, um, and I just believe with all my heart, these are the only words that really matter this morning. Um, my opinions, my, my thoughts don't do anything other than these words. These are the words that change. And so just in acknowledgement with that and out of respect for these words, it may not be your custom. I'm just asking as a favor to me. Would you stand with me as we read these words and how powerful they are? In Romans chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 35, it says, Paul writes this, he says, "Who." Can separate us from the love of Christ can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will able, be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you pray for me? God, I just thank you this morning. God, I thank you that you love us. God, we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. You just love us. But if we hear nothing else, if we experience nothing else this morning, let us be overwhelmed by that love. God, let it change us. Let it transform us. God, let us let it encourage us. Let it challenge us. God, whatever needs to happen this morning, let it happen. I pray this morning that these words would be your words, not mine. God, that you would speak clearly. To each heart. Father I thank you. That we didn't have. We don't have to beg you to be here. We don't have to do anything to get you here. God that you were here before we got here. God your presence is here. Father all we have to do is pay attention. And so Father I pray. God I pray for ears to hear. God for hearts to respond. And the courage to live it out. May we be different today. Because we were in your presence. May everything change. For us. God, may it all happen in such a way that you're the only one that gets credit. You're the only one that gets the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, you see, we're going to be talking about God loves me. and I know you're probably sitting there going, like, I know that. I know that. It's probably the very first thing you learned. What's the very first song maybe you learned if you've been in church around and stuff all the way back? And Anybody know that song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's, it's one of the very first things we learned. How about the first verse you ever learned? What is that? John 3.16. We see it at football games. We see it at sporting events. For God so loved the world. So it's been ingrained in us from very early that, yes, God loves us. But I don't think we fully understand or we fully comprehend that. I mean, the Bible makes it very, very clear. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Literally, that word defines who God is. That outside of love doesn't exist, I believe, outside of that. That God is love. He's the creator. He's the founder. He's the embodiment of it. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. This idea that God adopts us and brings us in, this loving relationship, this this desire for God to know us and for us to know him and to be loved by him. It's a big, big deal for us. And we need to know it. See, but the problem is, I think, is that many of us know that, but we don't necessarily believe it. We know that God loves us, but in our hearts and in our attitudes and our actions, we actually act and think that God just tolerates us. That he's God, yeah, God is love, and so he just tolerates us. But what I want you to hear this morning is that God loves you. God loves me. We need to move beyond these misconceptions that we have, that it's one, I earn it. You know, that if I if I'm smart enough or I go to church enough or I give enough money or I read my Bible enough or I pray enough or or I do any of that stuff, then I earn God's love. It's not something we earn. It's not something that we aspire to. It's already there. And that's what I really want us to get, because if we don't get that, then nothing else in our faith makes sense. We don't know how to love each other. We don't know how to love other people. We don't know about sharing the gospel and telling the story. We don't know about missions. We don't know about service, any of that stuff. If we don't get this first, it is the foundation of everything that we do in our faith. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you three things about God's love and what God's love is for us that I hope will resonate with you, that I hope will stick with you. Look back at Romans 8. Again, listen to this. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of nakedness—sorry, little southern boy— or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a lot of stuff in there that I want to unpack, just three things. (laughs) We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks just on those verses. But this morning, I just want to unpack three things for you. The very first thing I want you to know is the idea that God's love is permanent. I want you to think about that for a minute. God's love is permanent. It doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It doesn't go anywhere. Look at verse 35. We are going to get there eventually. You guys can click for me. Look at verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Just that question. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? Can any of that answer that question? Who can separate us from the love of God? Does anybody know? It's nothing. Nothing whatsoever can separate us from the love of Christ that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. There's not a power. There's not a force. There's not a situation. There's not a circumstance. There is nothing that can separate us. And what we're talking about here is agape, love. That all-powerful, that all-knowing love. That, that love that has nothing, that asks for nothing in return. It just encompasses. I love the Greek. We just say love in the English. In the Greek, we have a n- number of words for love. In the Greek, we have the agape. That's that. Top-level love. That I'm not not asking for anything in return. I'm just going to love you. That it's that powerful. It's that permanent. There's nothing that can change it. Why is that important? Because times are changing, aren't they? It's getting a little bit harder to be people of faith. We still have it very good here in our culture and in our country. But there are places where... It's a prison sentence or a death sentence to be to be identified as a Christian. Persecution is coming. Times are going to get tough. Here's the thing. You may lose things because of your faith. You may lose your job because you're going to take a stance on your faith. You may lose friends because you're going to take a stance on your faith. You may lose your home. You may lose all. You may lose everything. The one thing you will never, ever, ever lose is God's love. Let that sink in for a minute. Nothing else that happens is going to change how God loves us. Nothing you've ever done, nothing you will ever do, nothing any government does or any economic system, nothing is going to change that God loves us. It is permanent. It is steadfast. It is forever. And so the question this morning, do you believe God's word or do you believe in your feelings? 'cause isn't that what happens? Isn't that where we get sometimes? I don't feel like God loves me. Look at all I've done. Look at all I've said. There's no way that God can love me. Remember, you don't earn it. You you don't you don't do anything to achieve it. It's just there. That is this agape love, this perfect love and and what you can do is you can take you can take stand, you can take anything upon these words. Has God ever broken a promise? Has God ever lied? No, he can't. It's not in his character. It's not in who he is. And so when he says that nothing can separate us, nothing can separate us. It is permanent, forever, good. Isn't that awesome? That was kind of was. Kind of, kind of an amen moment. I mean, I was kind of, I was was hoping for one. Listen, Romans 5, 8, Paul wrote this. He said, but God proves his own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you had nothing but animosity towards God. When we were his very enemies of God, God still loved us. And he proved that by sending his son while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if any moment in your life you doubt that God loves you, all you have to do is look at a cross. And remember what Christ did for us. That he came still while we had nothing to offer. When we were all against him, he still came and he died for us. And paid for it all. Why? Because he loved us. And that love is permanent. Pretty good stuff, if you ask me. Second thing. God's love is powerful. I hate my clicker. God's love is powerful. Think about this. Nothing is stronger. Nothing at all is stronger than God's love. Nothing is more powerful than God's love. And I know we look at that and we hear that and say, okay, God's love he, His love is permanent and it's powerful. Then why do bad things happen? Why, why do bad stuff happen? If God's love, I hear this all the time. Every time there's a tragedy, we just had two more tragedies in our country. And if God is so loving and his love is so powerful, then why do all these horrible things happen? Well, I've got some things for you. And I think it's okay to ask why. I don't think God is ever afraid of our why's. I think God is bigger than our wives, but there's some things that we need to realize. First of all, is that a lot of the stuff that happens is because this world is not the way God intended it to be. We are broken. We are a broken planet. There was a point in history where God created and everything was perfect and everything was peaceful and everything was wonderful. Walking around the garden, a lion comes up and you're like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And it was wonderful. It was beautiful. Beautiful. And there was nothing wrong, there was no death, there was no destruction, there was all that. And we looked at God and said, I've got a better plan than you. You gave me one rule, I'm going to break it, because I think I have a better way of doing it. And so we walked away, and at that moment, all that stuff entered this planet, and so we live in a broken world. But praise God, he's redeeming it, he's restoring it, and one day it's going to come back to all of that. But in the meantime, bad things are going to happen because this is not the world that God intended and It's broken. And by the way, if the world's broken, so are we. Never understood people in church that look at people that aren't in church and say they should act this way. How do they know (laughs) to act the right way if they don't know the one who made them in the first place? We're broken. I'm broken. You're broken. And God is continually redeeming and restoring us. But bad things happen in a broken place. Broken things break things. Remember that. Other thing, it could be the result of our sin. I know we don't like to talk about that in church, do we? We don't like that S word, sin. It's a, it's a foul word. It's the three-letter cuss word. And we got a lot of churches that are just going to say, like, you know, if you just pray enough and you're just happy and you're good and you trust God, everything's going to be rosy. <laughs> I say you meet that pastor through the largest Bible you have at him because he's a liar. Because there are consequences to our choices all the time. There are consequences to our sin. Our disobedience. When we tell God, listen, it's very simple, guys. It's very simple, church. We do things our way and it will lead to bondage. It will lead. To trouble, it will lead to imprisonment every time. We do things God's way, it leads to freedom and life and purpose every time. And sometimes we just make bad choices. And it's not that God doesn't forgive us of those choices, but we may still have to deal with the consequences of those choices. You know? If I go steal a bunch of money from Universal Studios, I ask God to forgive me, He's gonna forgive me, but I'm still probably going to jail. There's still a consequence. And so understand, sometimes bad things happen because of the consequences. And one thing that I don't think we think about a lot, that God uses those hard things, those struggles, those turmoils, those tragedies to mature us also. God lets that hard stuff. It shapes us. Remember, man, we we were made to be diamonds, and all we are are lumps of coal. It takes pressure to make a diamond. And so when that's happening, God will allow those things and they will shape us because maybe they teach us to lean in on him more. Maybe they teach us to trust him more. Maybe they teach us to rely on him more, to put our faith in him more because we're going through that hard stuff. And so God allows those things to happen in our lives for our own good. That's the Romans verse that we love the Romans eight twenty eight verse, you know, for all things work to the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. We love that verse because we think that, hey, everything's going to be great and rosy because all things are going to be good. It says, no, all things work to the good. You know what the good is? It's the next verse to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, because that's the goal of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever told you the goal of Christianity is for you to go to heaven? They're wrong. The goal of you to go to Christianity is to look just like Jesus. That's the goal of this relationship, this love and everything that we're experiencing is for us to be perfect the way we were always meant to be. And so God's love is powerful. His love doesn't change, but in the midst of those, it can give us peace. In the midst of that struggle and that trial and that tragedy, it can give us peace. Look at verse 37. What does Paul say in 37? He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love, I love that it's not known all these things. We are conquerors. It's we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We are more because of his love. Because of that love that dwells in us, like that all-powerful, that all-knowing, that all-permanent power comes flowing in us. Because that we are not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. We can face anything because I'm in Christ. We can face, deal with anything because I'm in Christ. I can, I can overcome anything because I'm in Christ. And that love envelops me because it's that powerful. Think about the, how powerful God's love is. It was powerful enough that he literally made us. Shaped us. I love Genesis. It's one of my favorite books. I love that God spoke everything into existence except you and me. He got his hands dirty with you and me. He actually got in the mud and made us. And he breathed life into us and that love. And when we failed, when we turned away from him, he had a plan in place to redeem us, to restore us. And so Jesus comes. He lives. He dies a horrible death for our sin. For our consequence, for our thing. But that love was so strong that not only did it make us, not only did he send someone to save us, that love was so strong that not even death could keep it in the ground. That is a powerful love. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That is that love, how powerful that love is. Do you know anything on this planet or in this universe that can defeat death other than God's love? For us, death is like the ultimate loss. And yet God's love is that powerful. It defeats even death. It is powerful. It is amazing. And it gives us peace. Isn't that nice to know? Isn't it nice to know that my dad is bigger than everybody else's dad? That no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what's happening in my world, in my life, that God's love is more powerful than it. And that it's permanent in there. Third thing this morning is God's love is personal. Guys, this is where everything changes in this passage. This is where everything changes. For us, look at verse 38 and 39. Look how Paul ends this. He says, For I am persuaded, underline that word in your Bibles, underline that word persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is so powerful right there. I want you, I want you to underline that word because personal, it changes everything. See, because we all know God's agape love. This love that's not asked for, this love that we don't, <coughs> we don't earn, we don't do anything. But I think what Paul is talking about here, there's another set of love that comes in. And this is only for those that have made a decision to follow Christ. And I believe this is more of a phileo love. It's like a brotherly love. It, it is a passionate love. It is a love, a relational love. You see, that's what we're talking about here. That word persuaded Can be translated in a couple of ways in the Greek. It can be convinced, but it also means seduced. That I've been seduced by God's love, this relationship, this overpowering love that wants so much for me. That it's not some generic thing. It's not just like God loves you. God loves you. It's not generic. That He wants a relationship with me. That God literally wants to come down and hug you and kiss your cheek and say, man, I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. It's not a religious exercise, it's a relational exercise. Think about that. This is where I think we miss God's love. We all know, yes, yeah, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I know God loves me, but do I know God's love? And the only way that happens is in a relationship with him. Remember I read to you that we are called the children of God. We are adopted into this family. It's a familiar love. It's not something I I improve on because I show up and do this, but it's God literally saying, literally saying, I just want to be in a relationship with you. And when we know that, When when we actually start to experience that love, it's easy to love people. It's easy to serve. It's easy to do everything else because I understand how much God loves me. Not just this blanket, God loves everyone, but God loves the whole world, and God loves me. That's so powerful about that little song we learned in nursery school. Jesus loves who? Who? me this I know it changes everything there guys God's love is personal yes it is powerful it is permanent but I think this is where it just hits everything I think this is where we miss it that there's nothing I can do to make God love me more there's nothing I've ever done that can make God love me less that he already loves me and he wants that relationship with me. In fact, he shows it. Romans 8.1, it talks about he gives me his spirit to dwell in me. Literally, so there's nowhere I can go that he's not there with me. There's nowhere I can hide that he's not there with me. Not only that Ephesians 2.10, we are created in, uh, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created to do good works. He gives me a purpose because he loves me. Personally, he loves me. He gives me purpose and meaning. He disciplines me in Hebrews twelve six, That you know, if you love your kid, for those of you who have kids, how many of you are gonna let your kids go up to the stove and go, looks hot? Yay! <laughs> you're not gonna do that. You're gonna smack that hand if you're a good parent. If you're letting them burn the hand, then we need to talk. <laughs> But you're going to discipline them because you love them. You want the best for them. You want to keep them safe. And so God disciplines me. God forgives me. 1 John 1, 9. All my sins. He's a forgiving father. He looks at me and says, I forgive you. And I love when God says he forgives, it means it's gone. The Bible says he takes our sin and follows it as far as east is from east and west is from west. And I know I've told you this before, but I love this illustration. If you start walking north. Eventually, guess what? You're going to start walking south. But if you start walking east or you start walking west, you will always walk east. You will always walk west. That's where God takes our sins and he forgives us and throws them away. And not only that, we are adopted. This one means the most to me. See, when I was two or three years old, my real father left. When I was a little kid, my real father left. Thank God, later on, I got to meet him and we built a relationship. And that was 30 years later. But my real father left. My daddy came in and married my mom. Strongest man I've ever known. And when he came in, he adopted me, my brother, and my sister so that we had his name. We were his kids. I used to get in fistfights growing up because I didn't know. I just always assumed that was my daddy. That was when people were like, that's your stepdad. It's like, that's my daddy. I'd get in fistfights with my neighbors and stuff like that's my daddy. And so my mom finally told me I was 13. She says, by the way, your real dad left when he was three. (laughs) And he adopted you. But it made no difference because I was his. I had his name. That's what God's love does for you and me. That's the relationship we take upon his name. You know what that name is? Beloved. Isn't that beautiful? No matter what your past is, whatever you've done in God's family, when you accept him and you come into that relationship with him, your name is changed. You're no longer liar, cheater, angry, thief, liar, whatever. You are beloved that beautiful that is a personal love when we get that whoo! my goodness there ain't nothing that can stop the church or his people because why wouldn't we want to share that with other people Why wouldn't we want to love everybody the way God loves them? Why wouldn't we want to do all that? When we get that, it changes everything. Let that just sink in for a moment. Every time I've read through this, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that God loves me. That's powerful. That's. There aren't words to describe. What that means. This morning you may know that God loves the world. You may have heard it over and over again. God loves God loves for God for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is love, of course, all that stuff. And we know the big agape love, that that's all there. What I want you to know this morning is God wants a relational love with you. He wants to hang out with you. He he wants to be with you. And next week, that's what we're going to talk about. So how do I love God? And then how do I love the family? And how do I love others? And we'll go into all that stuff and what that looks like. But this morning, I just want to sit here. I just want you to hear that still, quiet voice whispering in your heart. God saying, I love you. I love you. I want you to experience that. In in your bulletins and stuff, this week, I put a little flyer in there. I know it's not much. It just says, God's love is permanent, powerful, and personal. There's a bunch of verses in there. I challenge you this week to read those verses. Use it as your devotion. Just go through there and read those. And hear over and over again how God loves you. How God loves you. Not just the world, but you. Me and how that can literally change everything. Because, guys, if we don't get this church, if we don't get that God loves us. We won't get any of the other stuff. As you're going to hear next week, we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. That's the power of this. And this morning, if you've never experienced that, I want to give you an opportunity to experience that. If it's always been kind of head knowledge, but never heart knowledge, if it's just been I know about God, I know God's love, but I've never experienced it, then let today be the day that we start experiencing that. Let's let all that change today.